Sometimes a dance is also a music genre, and vice versa. Waltzes, marches, rumbas, the list is pretty long. When we talk about tangos, we can't dismiss the image of a couple embraced and moving distinctly across the floor. Maybe a rose is part of your imagery. The tango is very important to a certain corner of the population. It could be their main form of socializing. They get granular about the moves, and they have lifelong partners. As a musical form, the tango has gone through lots of changes, and that's where we begin this week. Welcome back to Achelerando. I'm Paula Tuttle, and this week we're talking tangos. Carlos Gardel holds a special place in the history of tango. He was a singer, and his orchestra toured extensively. This tango has been popular of late. But most people are more familiar with this instrumental version by Astor Piazzolla. Piazzolla made Gardel's tango popular. Gardel and Piazzolla, they were different generations of tango. They crossed paths when Astor was only 16 years old. And fortunately, Piazzolla's father would not let the young Bandonian player join Gardel's tour. Soon after that, Gardel's entire orchestra perished on a fateful airplane flight. Astor Piazzolla was an accomplished Bandonian player. It's like a small accordion or squeeze box. Tango orchestras incorporate as many as four bandonians. Piazzolla studied composition with Hinastera at some point, and he encouraged him to enter his piece in a competition, and he won a scholarship to the Paris Conservatory to study with the famed Nadia Boulanger. Astor Piazzolla didn't write just tangos at the time, but it was Boulanger that set him on track to become a famous tango composer. He actually tried to hide his tangos from the great teacher. But when she heard one, she congratulated him and told him this was his path. So fast forward about 15 years, Piazzolla is now attributed to spearheading the Tango Nuevo, or New Tango style. It's gritty, edgy, and it employs jazz as well as atonal classical styles. The dance of a tango is pretty gritty too, sexy and edgy and it makes sense that the music went in this avant-garde direction. Piazzolla is like some other musicians we might think of, that they wrote classically and technically very well, but they got known from their popular music. And he had several tango orchestras during his career. So pretty far down the road, in 1982, he wrote La Grand Tango for cello and piano for Mislav Rostropovich. Rostropovich premiered it, but he wouldn't record it until after Piazzolla's death in 1992. 
This piece exemplifies the Nuevo Tango style. Piazzolla created this style. Nuevo Tango melds together traditional tango rhythms and has jazz-inspired syncopations. The piece is a single movement, but it's 11 minutes long. There are broad sections, and the first is marked simply Tempo di Tango. The second section is marked Libero and Cantabile, meaning free and singing. It has a great dialogue between the cello and piano. Piazzolla is really showing how a tango can have a symphonic or sonata-like structure. It's not an ABA dance form anymore. This is what Nadia Boulanger had in mind when she told the Argentine bandion player slash composer to stick with the tango. Before going into the last section marked Giacoso, he writes this expressive line. Then here's the last section. And we feel as if we've had a through composed sonata played. It's about the same length as the Debussy sonata. This closing section is full of glissandi and double stops, so it's a virtuoso piece in execution and expression. For some reason, it brings to mind La Valse by Ravel. Le Grand Tango was written in Paris too, so its title is also French. And La Valse has been described as a tribute to the waltz, that it plots the birth, decay, and destruction of a musical genre.
It feels like Le Grand Tango goes through a similar storyline. The traditional tango at the beginning, a dramatic middle section, and a riveting conclusion, complete with exhilarating fast passages reminiscent of an action film. This goes way beyond the excitement in tangos up until the Nuevo Tango period. Piazzolla took tango as far as it goes. But that's the end of the comparisons with a waltz and a tango piece, because they're very different dances. Waltzes are in three and tangos are in four, and there's much more that the tango embodies as a dance. The tango is a deeply emotional piece. It's been called melancholic, sad, and sentimental. A common quote is, a tango is a sad thought that is danced. It's physically intimate. Strangers find themselves touching foreheads, cheeks, embracing closely, touching chests, and sharing deep feelings that connect them to each other and the music. So maybe you want to take a tango class, and you can learn the basics. They call a tanda the dance, but it's really a turn. You take a turn with a partner. It's when you actually dance together. Also, the term giro is a special turn. So one is a dance that you have with a partner, and you could say, we had a tanda, or our tanda is how we dance. Then there's an invitation called La Marada y Capeco, which is just a look. It's okay to reject the invitation. To accept it, you simply look back and maybe nod. This simple interaction is the prelude to the chemistry needed for the tanda. If there's no spark, you decline, because the spark is necessary to the dance, the intimacy, and the ESP. Then you have a tango walk, which is called a caminata, and el oco is a figure eight. The abrazo is the embrace, how the dancers hold each other, and that's the heart of the tango, the ember of the fire and the sadness. The el gyro, or giro, as I mentioned before, is the most important step. One partner revolves around the other, or both around each other at the same time. To dance the tango with a stranger can be unbearably intimate, and this is why the imitation, the mirada y cabeco, is so important. You want your senses to mesh, not repel. So when the tango dancers dance together, they learn to anticipate their partner's moves. The order of the moves isn't prescribed. There's an improvisatory aspect to dancing a tango with a partner. And lots of tango partners work together exclusively. The connection they build is intimate and sometimes even called ESP. One dancer called it the GPS, and she means that she focuses on a spot on her partner's neck where she intuits her partner's next moves. This kind of intuition is also talked about among jazz musicians. So it's no wonder Piazzolla started infusing jazz into his tangos. When I was in Lyon for a few days, it happened to be our anniversary. My husband and I spent the evening watching a milonga, a tango dance party. It was a Saturday night tradition in a park in Lyon. And we just happened to catch it after our dinner. It had been a sweltering 95 degrees that day. And the evening was probably 80 degrees or more. Watching a milonga is fun and fascinating. You see partners that have been doing it for a very long time, and they've developed their own style. And you see young couples who are practicing the moves. I really wish it would become a popular pastime in America. I could have watched it for hours. No two couples danced alike. And you could spot the ones that knew the pieces and all the moves. 
but everyone was enthusiastic. I imagine this kind of experience to be addicting, but I'll never know because, like so many musicians, I just don't dance. So many wildly popular dance musical styles, like the tango, they were originally associated with the underclass. It was soon beloved to all classes. Maybe Paris is where it really took off, but the tango really has influences from all over the world. It's a real melting pot. Carlos Gardel brought the tango to so many audiences with performance and recording. His image as a sex symbol bolstered the rave. He was one of the precursors of the golden age of tango, which was about 1935 to 1952. It's about the same era as the big band era in the U.S. After Gardel's death, the tango had two divisions: the traditionalists and the evolutionists. But tango transcended Latin America, and it became a dance at events alongside the foxtrot and the slow waltz, the rumba. Pretty soon, Piazzolla took the tango to the next level with the tango nuevo. It was experimental music with jazz and classical influences. Argentinian ensembles that play tango music can be six players. It's called a sextet típico. It has two violins, two bandoneons, a double bass, and a piano. A larger orchestra is called orquesta típico. It could have as many as a dozen players, and it could include three or four bandoneons, a rhythm section with bass and piano and strings. Maybe we think of the tango being born in Argentina and Uruguay. But there are Cuban tangos, and the Spanish flamenco dances have the same kind of style. If there was ever a world music, I think tango gets the title. It's been influenced everywhere in the world, and everybody feels like it belongs to them. In closing, here's a tango by Carlos Gardel, and it was considered the most popular tango during his life. It's called. El día que me cuiras, and we have Lilia Breu singing it with the Diamante Trio, Mary Beth Malik on clarinet, Devin Arrington on violin, and yours truly on cello. Like this episode, please share. You can subscribe or listen to past episodes at the website acellarondocast.com. I'll post a link in the show notes of a biography on Piazzolla. It's by Maria Azzi and Simon Collier. It was published in 2000, and it has the same name as the piece we talked about. Le Grand Tango. 
That's it for this week. And do check the show notes on the website at chalorandocast.com. Have a great week. And support live music in any way you think appropriate. Bye for now. Oh,